It's football and other F-words, and we have a game to talk about today, and you know how I know that is game time, Stoney? How? The Britches Report is back. My goodness. It's already time for the Britches Report? It's already time for the Britches Report. In fact, we're bringing it to the preseason. It is uh, your wardrobe check. It is going to be the whites on the dark blues, white jerseys on the dark blue shirts or pants. If that is your thing, there you go. But we got the all kinds of other stuff to talk about. But first, got to thank our sponsors, Bluegrass Beverages. Bluegrassbeverages.com. Go join today. They've been around since the 70s. And it is so important that you go hang out with them, get you some beer, get you some liquor, whatever tickles your fancy. Get on down to Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Or if that's too far away for you, and you are in Nashville, East Nashville, sinkersbeverages.com. Might I add, Zach, yes. Blue, Bluegrass Beverages has quite the bop on the intro video into football and other F-words. It does. I mean, it's it's got everything you need. Like, that yeah. is, I mean, we when we get a sponsor, we do it right. We give yeah. you maximum exposure and all that kind of stuff. So that's just how we roll. We're going to talk about maybe some sp- things that scare us about the other AFC South teams. We're going to talk about our preseason game coming up, but the most important thing on everybody's mind right now, what scent candle are you burning? This is a Mountain Lodge. It is one of my favorites from Yankee Candle. It's a very versatile candle. You can burn it year round because it does have notes of musk and spice that kind of remind you of the fall, but there's a little bit of like sawdust or cedar or some type of wood in there that kind of reminds you of the cabin uh in gatlinburg and the smoky mountains during the summer on family vacation it's a very good candle highly recommended i don't know where off the top of my head it ranks on the top 100 yankee candle fragrances but you can go to sobrosnetwork.com and check out that piece and find out for yourself speaking of other pieces you can check out stackinginbox.com head over there today and uh subscribe we got a lot going on and it's it's going to be banging once the uh, football season starts we're going to have content all the time d good already says stony is better than mike d good noted shit stir my goodness d so, good all, always on it always got that always, always got the spoon in his hand oh he stirring. does that's how i stir pots by the way just a like just this. a spoon yeah just a spoon okay so first and foremost the vaunted most important document got released this week and is the it's going to dictate everything about the season it's what everybody you know that when this document is out your season is decided your team is set nothing will ever change once this document comes out the first unofficial depth chart of the off season is here the most important thing that everybody has to talk about and everybody has to have an opinion on and because everyone has to, then we have to give our opinions. Um, I want to I want to talk about one thing really quick. Let's do it. It's what we're here and to do. I'm gonna put you to the test. Okay. I don't, I don't. I don't like this. I've had a bad day. I don't know if I'm up for a test. How much Zach Johnson film have you watched up until now? <laughs> it's funny you say that, Zach, because I was actually going to ask you who is Zach Johnson. All I know is that he's been a practice squad mainstay on various teams' practice squads, Baltimore Ravens and New England Patriots, to name a few. And he's only played seven 
regular season snaps, and those were split among offense and special teams. But apparently he has done enough, even though that nobody has talked about him, that covers this team, <laughs> done enough to get the second string job. Now, over Nicholas Petit Frere. Over Nicholas Petit Frere. I was about to say, obviously, if NPF was, you know, not suspended, he and he would be number one, and Zach Johnson would be the, on the cutting room floor at this point. But I found it interesting how they, when you look at this depth chart, and you look at how the offensive line is set up and uh, the different combinations they put together, because I wasn't really expecting, like, Andrew Rupsich as right guard, I would expect him to be at right tackle mm-hmm. because he's getting stuff at right tackle. But I just fi- find it very odd that even John Ojukwu couldn't even get up to that right second right tackle spot. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. I just thought the combinations were interesting. So what do we think about that? Because Jalen Duncan is, is number two behind Andre Dillard at the left tackle spot. John Ojukwu behind him at left tackle. I, do we feel like is the the Duncan and Ojukwu experiment at right tackle is that just over with well that that's the question I mean I I guess maybe for the at least the second string purposes are concerned because obviously Jalen Duncan I I know that Repsich when he was getting um reps at right tackle with the second team Jalen mm-hmm. Duncan was at left tackle with the second team so you know, I think we'll see a couple different combinations as the as the preseason games go on and people get cut. But I just found it interesting that Zach Johnson is on there, and I'm just like, what? Like, okay, he got. <laughs> I know he got signed, but I'm just yeah. like, I can't believe he's this high on the list. I well, mean, the guys know- that have actually played games like Justin Murray and Jimmy Murray aren't even you know that high up. The Murray Bros. I know I would have I would have had them up there uh, before Zach Johnson. Now we know what Film Friday is going to be about. Yeah, I'm going to have to go dig up some Zach Johnson film. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody <laughs> nobody would read that. So you'd have to go to preseason all 22 for some yeah. of the Zach Johnson film. I'd have to have a special contact for that. I feel like you got to get the preseason all 22 on the black market or something like that. They just don't make that readily available. While we're on the subject of the depth chart, and for those that may not. Um, Subscribe to Stacking the Inbox, which you should. But the amount of anger and vitriol over Kyle Phillips being listed as far back as he is, without and and from some accounts that should know better, by the mm-hmm. way. But yeah. if you look at this particular depth chart, it is built through the 12 personnel. So for those that may not know, because you don't subscribe to Stacking the Inbox, that is the 1 and 12 stands for running backs. So whatever that is, that was always a running back. So this is one running back, two tight ends, two is tight ends. And then the leftover is the assumed wide receivers on the field. So this is what that is. There they plan at this point in time when the step chart came out. Because last year, I believe they did 11 personnel, or there was one that they did 11 personnel. They, right now, they're rolling out 12 personnel which is fine. But don't get so caught up that Kyle Phillips is going to be likely the fifth option in 12 personnel. He's the smallest of the four guys ahead of him. Mm -hmm. So it's not a big surprise that in two wide receiver sets that he would probably be fifth. 
But also, correct me if I'm wrong, I could just be talking completely out of my ass here, but this thing also, it reads from uh, left to right and then down to the next line. So, Because I saw some people saying like, oh, Mason Kinsey's ahead of Kyle Phillips on the depth chart. And I, th- I thought we had this conversation last summer. Oh my I God, we, we did. We because there was a, I don't know if it was last summer or two summers ago, but there was a guy named Major Mark West, and I haven't blocked. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in a while. But he used to come in <laughs> under everything that Mike did. And him, he fought with Mike, with Tehran, and with Paul Kaharski, all on how to read a depth chart. And you are 100% correct. Your first, second, and third stringers are right up at the top. Yeah. Okay? That's why it says at the top of the depth chart, if you go to titans.com, First, second, third. Mm-hmm. Then you go back down and around. So in this particular thing that I'm looking at is Traylon Burks, Chris Moore, Racy McMath. Then Reggie Roberson is under Chris Moore. So Reggie Roberson in this particular line of thinking is the fourth wide receiver. But in the grand scheme of things, it what you need to be looking at is who the players are. Because a lot of people think that the top wide receiver is the wide receiver one. No. DeAndre Hopkins is the wide receiver one. Traylon Burks is the wide receiver two. So then you would go, if you look at the depth chart at TennesseeTitans.com, here's how your wide receivers shake out. DeAndre Hopkins and a 12 personnel should qualify. DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook-Akine, Chris Moore, Kyle Phillips, then Racy McMath. That is how it works. Those are your top six. And let me say this, McMath is Mick out of here. He is not going to make this team. <laughs> I am as confident as him not making this team as I am confident that NWI is. It's a 100% chance that NWI is, and it's a 100% chance Racy McMath is not. I was going to ask you about Racy McMath because it's interesting. All the buzz we're hearing about Reggie Roberson, kind of surprised to see McMath, I feel like a guy that the Titans fans are forgetting about. And when his name has been coming up at the training camp reports, it's it's not been very good. But then also that Mason Kinsey is ahead of Colton Dow, Gavin Holmes as well. Like some of these young undrafted uh, rookie free agent receivers. I feel like one of those guys is going to make the roster because of the return returning duties, unless they do just put Kyle Phillips out there, which, um, you know, I don't know these top of this depth chart. I, I kind of teeter between this thing isn't worth the PDF that it's printed on and, oh, this is interesting. What do you think about how these wide receivers are are shaking down? Were you surprised to see specifically McMath and Kinsey where they're at? No, just because I, I look at it and I and I know that the Tennessee Titans typically will try to cram as many as many newbies or inexperienced guys in the back of the depth chart as possible. Like yeah. if you look at t- the perfect example, because this happened a couple as happens every year, people freak out. Because I believe last year Traylon Burks was not your like wide receiver too. He was back on the list, back mm-hmm. behind everybody. Yeah. Perfect example is looking at the running backs. There's no injury at in- knock on wood at any <laughs> running back position yeah. so far, right? Like these are all healthy running backs. Derrick Henry, Hassan Haskins, and Ty J. Spears. We know that Ty J. Spears is running back too, but yeah. he's a rookie, so he's getting put behind there. We know that Jonathan Ward is likely to make this team, and we know Julius Chestnut is likely to make this team, but they're undrafted free agents 
they so they get put in the back. Even though they have a year of experience, they don't have the experience that Hassan Haskins does. That's just typically how this tip just normally shakes out, and it it's like that every year. By the time that people get cut, like I would expect, Racing Math is probably going to drop a ball, and he's going to get cut this week. So, I I expect that Reggie Roberson right now, it's going to be really hard for me to change my mind unless someone in preseason does really does something really great. That it's going to be Reggie Roberson. He has the chemistry with Will Levis, and when you have chemistry with a Will Levis like that, you kind of you you see it in preseason. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that I will, not to jump the gun, but that's one of the things that I'll be looking for in the game on Saturday is how these reports out of training camp translate to the field. Before we move on from the depth chart, though, I will tell you, like, I, like I said, I don't put a grain of, I, I don't put too much stock. Stock. I'm trying to combine grain of salt and stock. I don't put too much stock into the unofficial depth chart release. Um, and I'm like you, I kind of feel like. They just bury the rookies, the undrafted guys at the back of the depth chart, and they're going to sit here and laugh at guys like us for being on podcasts for an hour, breaking the stuff down. But I will say it's interesting. I did raise my eyebrows a little bit. Alizé Mack over Kevin Rader. Surprised by that at all, because I feel like Rader was a guy that they they liked back in the spring, and then the XFL's over. Alizé Mack comes to camp. And uh, suddenly his name's popping up everywhere as well. I think Raiders, a guy that um, it's kind of forgotten in all of this. I, you know, the, I, my big thing that I came to last week, my big conclusion is that I wonder if the hybrid nature of the defenders that they have this positionless football that mm. they're trying, but with Danico Autry playing multiple positions, you have Arden key can technically play multiple positions. So can Rashad Weaver to a lesser extent. You know, you got Elijah Molden, Roger McCurry, Sean Murphy Bunton can be moved all the way around in different formations. Does that give the Titans the ability to keep less defenders than they normally would and keep more offensive skill players more than they typically have in the past? Like, could there be five tight ends? We know there's likely three quarterbacks, but being that there's so many hybrid defenders, you almost think that, okay, it's not just the three quarterbacks that could see a boost. It could be a seventh wide receiver. It could be a fifth tight end. I almost think that they could because, you know, you look at how the tight ends shake out. You don't really know what Josh is going to be. So, right. Yeah. But you, you, he's done enough that you rot, you keep him, right? He's a fifth round pick. He's super talented. But you may need Kevin Rader more than you need Josh Josh on Sundays because if Trevon Wesco goes down, who's your blocking tight end? Exactly. And that is kind of what I was trying to get to is like between Alizé Mack and, and Kevin Rader both, like they both have specific skill sets that if the guy in front of them goes down, you might need them. Right. And so to me, it's kind of like, I, I feel like, yeah, James says it in the chat, five tight ends, gross. Well, Chick's not like your typical tight end. So you're and uh, you're kind of keeping four, you know, tight ends, really. I mean, and Chick's a pass catcher, like, right? Like, he's a yeah. hybrid. He's a hybrid player. He can play fullback. He can play wide receiver, and he can play tight end. I'm like, I know five tight ends sounds gross, but it's not. Five tight ends are active on game day. 
it's that you got to keep five tight ends so you don't lose someone else to another practice squad that you may want. That's how you got to kind of view it because there's only a certain number of guys off the 53 that are active every week. Not all of them are going to be active all the time. Yeah, certainly. Um, I, we we have a comment. Can I weigh in on Kiaris Jackson? I had yes. to pull up my uh, my film Friday as we had James asked us about Kiaris Jackson. Uh, I'm going to read. This is the the preview of the type of content you can get as a VIP subscriber for stacking the inbox. Well, first off, here's what James asked. You, you got to read what James asked. Well, so. that's right. Yes, because we do have people that are listening to this and not walk, watching the uh, the broadcast. Right. Good call out there. That's why you. That's why they pay you the big bucks, buddy. That's why they do it. Thoughts on Kiaris Jackson? Felt like he had some good practices in there. Maybe not as consistent as Roberson, but seems like a practice squad lock for sure. I think this is a really crowded field. Now, I did not really, after watching the tape on Jacob Copeland, I wasn't really his biggest fan. And I, to me, of all the guys that, that they could have cut, I thought he made the most sense. But again, this is from an article. I wrote about all of these guys on stacking the inbox. As far as Jackson goes, when they put him outside, they being Georgia, he usually had a guy in front of him blocking. They'd hit him with a quick screen or he'd run outside, giving his blocker a chance to do his thing and then streak down the sideline past the defender. They used him in the slot where he ran some pretty good in-breaking routes, a lot of stuff that looked like stuff from the Titans playbook of Todd Downing, Art Smith, like the stuff you'd see A.J. Brown out there running. Functionally quick, but I don't think he's going to separate against anybody out of pure speed. The type of player you can run those quick out routes to and just try to get the ball in his hands in the open field where he's a little more shifty and slippery than physical and explosive. It's easy to see why the Titans coveted him because his ceiling is a fun gadget player and a returner, but his size limits him and his route tree is unproven. So there you go. A little preview of the VIP content at Stacking the Inbox. My thoughts on Kiaris Jackson. Yeah, and I think that Kiaris Jackson is destined for the practice squad. Unless he shows up big in preseason, that's the thing. It's like who out of the bottom of these the wide receiver depth chart is going to break out? And we'll, let's talk about it. Let's just get in right into our, our preseason game one preview. Yeah. is okay. I think the biggest storyline is what? Kiaris Jackson, Reggie Roberson, and Treshawn Harrison put on the field on tape against NFL-level defenders. I, I would put Gavin Holmes in the conversation as well. I liked him quite a, quite a bit as well. Well, we got to put in Colton Dow, too, because right now he's getting run with the twos and getting, uh, according to Joe Rexer, he's, getting, he's, he's running high with them, but he ain't doing much with his opportunity. And at some point, the Tennessee Titans, you got to remember, a fourth-round draft pick of Des Fitzpatrick did not make the initial 53. Mm -hmm. No man is safe from so, being cut on cut-down day. So what do you think they do with Dow then? I mean, do you think he's established himself among this group? Absolutely not. I mean, no, I'm from, with you. I mean, maybe Easton, maybe we're taking a couple of different, and I know Easton's in the chat, maybe we're taking a couple of different practice notes and blowing it out of proportion, but from everything... I don't know if Colton Dow has done enough to secure that six wide receiver spot. And that's why this six wide receiver spot now with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins is so interesting, right? Because some would say that NWI and Colton Dow are the same, even though Colton Dow is way more athletic. Mm -hmm. 
But if he can't be relied upon in the pass catching game, at least NWI can for a lot of his catches. Sure. You know, he can well, be as, at least in the right spot. He may not catch it, but at least he could be in the right spot. As a um as a third or fourth option on a play. Yeah. Yeah. So as Zach Whitener brings up the uh the candle burning on your desk, but we've already you're gonna have to go back and listen to the beginning of the show because we did cover that yeah. at the top of the show. We did I mean, you don't have to go back and listen to the whole thing. But um it's a mountain, it's a Rocky Mountain fever, some spotted mountain Mountain fever. Lodge. Mountain, mountain Lodge, Lodge actually. Close. Yeah. Um, but like, okay, so Trayshawn Harrison, Kiaris Jackson, all these guys um have this ability to create plays at some point. Same thing with Reggie Roberson. They all kind of have their different chemistry built with the quarterbacks that will be playing in the preseason. And it does not yeah. seem like Colton Dow does. And here's Easton right here. He is absolutely firmly on the outside looking in. No real argument for anybody to be the seventh receiver over him. But there seventh is no argument. Yeah. But there is no argument for him as the sixth receiver over the top six. So Man. he's saying he's saying there's no real argument, but you can argue if you want to, if they they keep seven wide receivers. But there's definitely not an argument for him to be receiver number six. So so then do you think that bodes well for him that he's a draft pick, that he's more likely to be that seventh receiver? Or do you think that, you know, that's not going to matter to Mike Vrabel and company and they're just going to pick the, the seven best that they got? It absolutely does not matter to Mike Vrabel and company. I mean, See, we saw that Patrick. with Patrick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we've seen it too many times before. And he's a lower draft pick value anyway. Yeah. And you know, it was a long shot at the time, but it does not seem like he's catching up quickly enough. They thought they could coach him up, and it's it's got to be the best and right 53. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it can't just be, well, you know, this guy was drafted at a certain position. Well, he's got to get in, or we invested this much money in him. He's got to get in, you know. You got to earn it with Mike Vrabel, and right now, Colton Dow, for, by all accounts and by accounts from people that are there, like Easton, he is not he's not taking advantage of his opportunity and he should be able to, right? He's a he should be a cleaner version of Racy McMath, right? He's athletic theoretically he's big, yeah. and he knows he he's a pretty good route runner, whereas Racy McMath is terrible. Yeah, but Racy, they both have this issue of dropping the ball, apparently. Yeah, and it felt like Racy was kind of drafted, was one of those like quintessential John Robinson picks where Speed and athleticism, not a lot of proven production, could play special teams. Boom, that's your guy. I can I can hear I can hear John Robinson's erection hitting the bottom of the table as I'm saying that. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm looking at it. It's it's right now in my mind that six wide receiver spot is Reggie Roberson's to lose. Sorry, I just saw James Foster's comment and it just completely it bodied me. It took me out of the uh the show. Yeah. Well that they will we'll read it. But Dow had a good game against Tennessee, which is the top athletic program <laughs> in the country, if you haven't heard. Yeah. Touche. Yeah. Touche. Um, but like Treshawn Harrison and even Kiaris Jackson can can make names for themselves this weekend. Yeah. I just don't know. And you you mentioned Gavin Holmes. Listen, don't bring up Mason Kinsey. He's not making this team. I'm done with the Mason Kinsey experiment. We're in year four of Mason Kinsey. It does not matter how good he looks for whatever reason in the preseason. They just don't like him. 
I don't. I mean, they just don't like him. And where, where would you rank him among this group? I, I mean, with Racy McMath, he ain't making the team. Yeah, like, it, I mean, there's just I don't think that Mason Kinsey, Racy McMath, or Gavin Holmes are 100 making this team. I like they're there. They got like 14. They got like 14 receivers right now yeah. too. Those three are 100 out, and I think that it comes down to who performs the best out of Colton Dow, Reggie Roberson, Trayshawn Harrison, Kiaris Jackson, which I would put Kiaris Jackson and above Colton Dow, but them both a tier below Reggie Roberson and Trayshawn Harrison in that fight because they Reggie Roberson and Trayshawn Harrison have that deep kind of speed that they are looking yes. for and kind of missing on this offense just a little bit. And I think that – I think it's just going to be Reggie Roberson. You know, he showed up last year in the, in the preseason, in the offseason, not really in the preseason games, but in the offseason. Now he's got – two better quarterbacks of what he had last year. And I think the connection with Will Levis and Reggie Roberson are, is really going to show up this year. I, I will say about, about Roberson, I have gotten my hands on a couple of games of, of his college tape and uh, uh, reading up on him. A lot of the analysts said like, you got to watch the stuff from 2019 and 2020. Cause I don't remember if it was an ACL or what, but he had yeah. an injury that, that impacted his play, his final season, and his draft stock as well. But I look at him as a guy, and Titans fans might kind of cringe when I say this, but could kind of fill that Khalif Raymond role where you're on down the depth chart, but you've got enough speed that you can really separate when you you push the route downfield, and you kind of catch the defense off guard, right? Like I, I think about that Baltimore Ravens playoff game when – the Ravens probably weren't expecting Khalif Raymond to go like 40 yards down the field and beat him over the top for a touchdown. I could see a guy like Roberson with his skill set being that kind of guy in this offense and, you know, potentially adding value as a returner, which was another question I had for you as well was like, how does that factor into the equation of how many of these guys they keep? Yeah, I'm not too... Not too sure. The returner situation is very interesting because it it because it's to me it's Cal Phillips, Julius Chestnut, and Chai J Spears. Like those guys are making the team. Those guys are your returners. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like Mason Kinsey and Hassan Haskins are not long for this team. So I ask you, Hassan Haskins looked pretty terrible during the preseason last year. Julius Chestnut looked way better. Yes. Now Hassan Haskins made the team. Because of his special teams. If Hassan Haskins has another pedestrian preseason, don't you just take the opportunity to cut him despite the legal situation? You don't have to say it's the legal situations, but now you can at least say it's performance-based. I mean, to be honest with you, we haven't played a snap of preseason football, and I'm already at that point with Hassan Haskins. I He was one of the picks, the, the last class, that I kind of had to talk myself into. Like, okay big bruising guy they want to run the ball i get it but watching his tape i just even in michigan like i wasn't the biggest fan of his to begin with and then i wasn't that that big of a fan of the pick and then in the preseason and even in the regular season when he got his moments it was terrible i just, I just think he's a guy that hasn't lived up to the billing and the billing wasn't all that spectacular to begin with so for me it's an easy decision because even again it, you know tap in my chest my bad I'm I'm acknowledging a moment of transparency here haven't watched any Jonathan Ward but he's getting rave reviews in camp 
I did watch some Julius Chestnut last preseason. Feel like he's ready for an expanded role, at least, you know, on down the depth chart, maybe on special teams. And I love Ty J Spears. If you haven't been paying attention to anything I've said this year, I love Ty J Spears. So, Zach, I'm already at a point where I don't even need to see the preseason. Let's just cut bait and move on. And maybe that's going to let us keep a seventh wide receiver so that um, Treshawn Harrison or Kiaris Jackson can make this team and maybe get them involved on a gadget player, too. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm been like, I get the special teams is important. But I don't think Hassan Haskins does enough. If Derrick Henry were to go down, you cannot rely on Hassan Haskins to run the ball. No, you and cannot. You anything. I mean, we're talking about a guy that averaged like I think two yards per carry in the preseason or something like that. I mean, he's just he's terrible. He's terrible. Yeah. Um, I I know the big topic on everybody's mind are these quarterbacks. And sure, I over at stackinginbox.com on Monday, I put out how to evaluate the quarterbacks in the preseason. And you have to do it in a way that you you have to look at them in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Are they getting out of the huddle? Are they getting to the line? Or do they have good command of everything they need? Are they getting the ball out on time? What's the hesitation like? Are they making good decisions? Because they're running a simplified offense. Yes. And they are going to see a simplified defense. So, listen, I fully, my expectations are set at that these guys should look better than the duo that we have seen over the last three or four years in the preseason. The Logan Woodsides, the Trevor Simeons, the Logan Woodsides, the Malik Willis's, the the Blaine Gabberts and all them. These guys need to look better than them. And I want to see like a real quarterback competition. Now, do I expect that they will? Not both of them, but I need to see if they want to make this team they need to show it this week. Yeah, they'll have think, other weeks, but like they need to kind of show that they progressed in the right manner. Yeah, and I think there's also an element of confidence that you want to see too. It's not not just the command going through the motions, but kind of, you know, this is going to be Will Levis's first NFL action, albeit in a preseason game, but you know, I kind of want to see just his his body language. I want to see, you know, if not that, you know, they put cameras right in their faces or anything, but when when the opportunities arise to kind of see him without his helmet on and, you know, stuff like that. Like I want to see how he's reacting to what's going on around him and, and how he rises to the occasion. Though I will say, Zach, there is like the, the sicko in the back of my head that is just clamoring for Malik Willis to do nothing but run the ball again so that we can see Mike Vrabel having a conniption on the sideline and telling him like, throw the ball or you're out of the fucking game kind of deal. Like there's a part of me that wants that kind of drama still. Yeah. I mean, you may get it. I mean, he does stuff that <laughs> can irritate Mike Vrabel to no yeah. end. And listen, I don't expect anybody to play perfect, but a couple of years ago, the Tennessee Titans weirdly selected and drafted Cole McDonald. <sighs> Poor one out. And we never got to see Cole McDonald sling it in a preseason. No, we game. didn't. Our Hawaiian Hawaiian King, XFL legend, Houston Roughnecks legend, Cole McDonald. 
We're getting that chance this weekend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with Will Levis versus Malik Willis. These guys have the arm cannon that Cole McDonald does. They have the ability to sling it. Can Malik Willis get out of his head? And can Will Levis be accurate and take advantage? Like, that is what I am looking for. I am looking for Will Levis. I don't even care. I know the Titans care. I know the coaching staff cares. I don't care if he layers throws or not. If he's throwing bullets and they're connecting and they're being caught and it's exciting, fuck it. That's where I'm at. (laughs) But Malik Willis needs to do the same thing. He just needs to go out there and get out of his own damn head I want to see like a real quarterback competition. I want this to be like, these guys need to be fighting and playing like they're winning the job, not the sure. backup job. The They are winning the first string job because that's technically what they're doing. That's what they're auditioning for is the future first string quarterback, franchise quarterback. I want to see some fun. I want to see some passing. I want to see these guys make good, quick decisions. To draw another parallel to Cole McDonald, one of these guys could also be playing in the XFL in the future. I will say, I am going to be fascinated by how they divvy up the workload between these two as well. And, you know, it's it's not fair to ask you, what do you think the Titans will do? But how would you do it if you were in charge of the Tennessee Titans? Are, are these guys alternating drives? Or are you going to play Levis the first half, Willis the second half? Well, I think what you're going to see is, well, that that's what I don't know. I, they, yeah, there is going to be some kind of altering mm-hmm. of it, right? Like there's going to be either every drive, every quarter, every half, one of those things. Yeah. I would venture to guess, and I wish I remembered what they did last year in the first game, but I think the first game last year, they did first and second, and then they dwindled them down as the preseason went, if I'm not mistaken. It may have been reverse order. Seems like you're right. It seems like that's how I remember it, too. Uh, but that's what they need to do. Um, they need to give them equal opportunity because these are both guys that are near or at the same level of NFL quarterback readiness. Sure. Uh, if you ask Braden, Braden says it's in the bag. It's Will Levis already over. Stop the mm. count. It's done. TKO oh, to Will sh- Levis. Shut Willis. down the show. Shut down the shut show. Down what are we show. even talking about here? But, you know, I want to I see if Malik Willis, because my big thing has been about his personality. Does yeah. he have the killer instinct that can't quit, or is he just going to be hashtag blessed, you know, that he's just <laughs> he's just living to see another day and – just yeah. out on the field with the grass, you know, between his cleats. And I mean, that doesn't sound like a bad life, though. It doesn't. But I mean, like, you ain't going to be able to keep that life <laughs> that way for that long if you don't, you know, have some fight to you. Yeah. I want to see the fight. I want to see him go out there. I want, I want at the end of the day, on Monday, I tune into a football show because I won't be on there, but I tune in and I hear Braden say, Okay, maybe this quarterback competition is not as wide and not Ooh. open and shut as I thought. I would That's be what I want because mm-hmm. that would be spicy. Yeah, I um, I, I think what I would like to see in, in terms of load management, if you will, I want to see both guys get get a drive or two with the twos. Like, don't just divvy it up where Will Levis is running with the twos, Malik Willis is running with the threes. 
give both guys a shot with each unit to kind of see how they look comparatively to the rest of the guys on the field you know like seeing a seeing a difference between levis against the twos and the threes seeing that difference for for willis as well and kind of gauging like where the guys are at that way as well i i think because i think it makes a difference you know if if you're throwing to let's say chris moore and you're throwing to mason kinsey i think that makes a difference in the evaluation right i'm with you and you know it, it does and it doesn't. So here, okay. here's here's where I'm at. It does with the outcome of the play, maybe. So like if there's an interception, is it really the – you got to figure out to parse the blame, right? Sure. Okay. But if he's coming out and he struggles to get them to the line, whichever quarterback, you could use Will Levis or Malik Wills in this instance as a substitute for he in your head. If he comes out, and he doesn't get them out of the huddle. He struggles with the wrong play call, mm, struggles mm -hmm. with the verbiage, struggles at the line, uh, doing the pre-snap reads, going through his motions, going through his reads, his mechanics stinks, his decision-making stinks. That's on him. That's that's going to happen whether it's the second string or the third string. We saw that with Logan Agreed. Woodside and yeah. Malik Willis last year. Mm -hmm. uh, they they look no different between in their plays uh, like that. So, now... Maybe an interception, maybe everybody's covered up and it's covered sack. You know, that's something you have to look at later on down the line and make your assumption then. But that's the stuff I am looking for to evaluate. So yes and no, I agree with you. So like, yeah, I agree with you that the end result of the play may be affected by the people around you, but the person spearheading and getting you to that point is mainly going to be able to look at it in a vacuum. And I, I think theoretically too if you're running with the twos, you're th theoretically going against the, the second string defense as opposed to the third, third string defense. So I don't disagree with what you said. I'm just saying like, let's, let's vary it up a little bit. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I think they will. It just may not be in the same game, but I think they mm. will over the weeks. Um, Are they going to have to get a third guy, by the way? Because, like, Tannehill's not playing in the preseason. No, I don't think they have to get a third guy. Because if they do, call Cole McDonald. Just there you go. Just get him give back. Give him that how, opportunity. How many people do you think are going to be watching this preseason game in true sicko mode, um, breaking down every snap the way we just talked about breaking down these quarterbacks and also lamenting for the days of Cole McDonald? Are we Ooh. are we doing this show for like two people? Is that that's what I'm asking you? No, no, no. I I think a lot of people. I think a lot of the listeners are like so desperate for football content. I think that's okay, good. Okay, good. That makes me happy. Then I'm not just shouting into the void. No, no, no. This is this is this is for this is that time where everybody is like, I need football. I need it yeah. so bad. I don't care what's on TV. I don't care who it is. Give it to me now. That is what this is. We're in that give it to me now stage of the calendar. Yeah, give it to me now. Um, what are you looking for on defense? Because I, I think everybody's really focused on the offense. So what are you looking for on the defense? I, I mean, it's going to be some of the young guys. Um, can they handle the moment? Similarly to how we talked about with the, the quarterbacks, because, man, I just don't think 
with this this defense that operates the way that it does, I don't think we're going to see anything like it in the preseason. You want to talk about a simplified, dumbed-down version of the offense? I shouldn't say dumbed-down. That has a negative connotation. Basic offense, we'll just say that. I think it's going to be tenfold on defense because of how they deploy, you know, all the defensive backs, the pass rushers. They're constantly pulling guys on and off the field. I just don't think we're going to see a lot of the smoke and mirrors that we typically see from this defense in the regular season. So for me, it's more about how do these young guys handle the moment, specifically looking at a a guy like Jaden Peavy, who is getting some buzz this summer that appears to be kind of positioning himself to to maybe claim a roster spot to make it undeniable that he's one of the 53 best on this team. But also a guy like Caleb Murphy, whose name popped up, I, I want to say, Teron tweeted something about him last week. I I wrote a column about some of these guys, and I I listed Caleb Murphy. Really prolific career at Ferris State. I had him on my uh, just a dude list in the draft. I would be ecstatic to be proven wrong because I do think the Titans need a fourth pass rusher to kind of step up and be a rotational piece. I would be thrilled to see Caleb Murphy develop into that guy. So he's a guy that I'd like to watch. And then, you know, just how... How do the new faces kind of um, come into play from a like team chemistry standpoint? Like, I don't think Aziz Alshair is going to be out there um, at all on Saturday. But you know, how is he on the sideline? Like, is he taking the reins as kind of the the field general? Like, are there signs of this defensive unit gelling together, or you know, like? we're all just kind of in amazement at Arden Key. Everybody seems to have this affection for him. Is that something that translates across the defense? And can we can we get any clues about that from the preseason game? Those would be the things that I would be looking out for. Yeah, I am I am ready for I'm just ready to see this defense actually be what it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, like, sure. This is what everybody's saying. This I want to see them go out to the Bears right? It's the Bears. And I want to see them go out and do something with it. Like, okay, if you are the, if you're the guys that you say that you have been in practice, now do it against a different offensive line. Yeah. Do it against different wide receivers. Do it against different quarterbacks. That's what I am ready to see. So hopefully that's what we get. You know what? I, I also want Monty Rice to go out there and just ball out, have a day, win back the starting job so I don't look like a fucking idiot for saying he was going to be uh, one of the more underrated players this season as well. Just to add that to our conversation. That's, all, that's asking a little too much for old Monty <laughs> Rice. Uh, I mean, I am interested to see how much play Jack Gibby gets, right? Yeah. Like, if Jack Gibby does not play a lot and Monty Rice is playing more than Jack Gibby week after week, and those numbers keep going and trending in the wrong direction, the good direction for Jack Gibby, but the wrong direction for Monty Rice. I've kind of said it today. I don't know if Monty Rice is your inside linebacker three. Well, He may fall down the depth chart and keep on going. You you might be alluding to a name that I was also going to mention, Chance Campbell, in this conversation as well. Going to be a, a fun guy to watch on Saturday. Do you think this is... I don't get the sense that people are talking about this as an open competition for who's going to be the starter. Do you think it's it the preseason is going to be a competition for that inside linebacking role? Or do you feel like this is a case where, hey, the depth chart is honest 
and, and Dr. Gibby's the guy. I, I think I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Jack Gibby's the guy. I'd be very surprised if it comes out the other way. I'm not, you know, r- totally ruling out that, you know, Monty Rice can maybe do something in a game we have seen him perform well in games before. I just don't have the faith that he has the mental toughness. I, mean, I know he's tough on the Twitter streets. He'll get in your DMs and stuff if you talk bad about him, but I don't know if he's that tough on the field. Okay. Well, I'll be right back, Zach. I'm going to go delete all of the uh, Monty Rice breakout season uh, articles that I've written this year. You, so you are so wanting, when we hung out uh, for my birthday weekend, you are so wanting to talk so much about Monty Rice so that when all this Jack Gibby news broke, you didn't even want to talk about it. You were no. actively avoiding, like, hey, do y'all want some Chinese food? No, no rice for me. <laughs> I am listen, I'm gonna do an about face when I'm when I'm proven wrong by what the uh, the coaches are telling us. The coaches are telling us Monty Rice is not the guy, so I'm gonna do an about face. You know, it's the old Bobby the Brain Heenan move. I'm yeah. just gonna turn and act like I never said a good thing about Monty Rice. I Monty like Rice it. sucks, he's the worst draft pick John Robinson ever made. I don't even know if he's gonna make this team. Love it. Love it. That's and that's how you should you should act. Thank you. Uh, so defense, I think we all agree about what I agree perfectly with everything else you said about the different positions, how they saw You got a lot of guys on the back end trying to prove mm-hmm. themselves, a lot of uh, cornerbacks and safeties. Um, you know, Josh Kalou, and I was one of these guys, Josh Kalou recently signed with the Washington Commanders, and I was like, I don't know why the Titans don't bring in Josh Kalou over a guy like A.J. Moore. And then you hear all these safeties and defensive backs that I don't even really know much about are yeah. outperforming essentially everybody. So I think the safety depth was a little bit better than what we thought. But or maybe they at least better, felt better about it. Yeah, but is it better on the field? And that's the big question with the depth yeah. thing. Like. On the outside looking in, everybody's concerned about depth. That's the biggest issue. Depth, 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 depth. The Titans don't seem to be that concerned with it. But are they in the right? And that's what the offseason's for. That is what the preseason is for. Yeah, I I can't wait to watch that group because there were some guys um, doing my undrafted report for the unofficial Titans podcast. Can't remember any of their names, but they got the the kid from uh, Baldwin-Wallace they got the kid from App State. They got the kid from, I think it's Eastern Washington or Eastern Kentucky, one or the two. I don't know. This is great football analysis, by the way. But you're nailing it. To your point, like I, I just I feel like there are some young guys there that have potential. And what the Titans are telling us by only signing AJ Moore to the secondary is that they feel good about it. So, like you said, that's a perfect way to put it. Are they right? Are these guys going to show up on the field? Yeah, it'll be really interesting. I'm I'm very excited to see what they do on the field, and it's going to be huge. But let's talk about the opponents. We're let's wrap up the show. Bluegrass Beverages, okay, sponsor. Let's Shout out to it. Bluegrass Beverages, the only kind of beverages you need. You 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 don't have to give. I don't want to force you to change your article idea or anything. But you were talking about that's fine. The AFC South and what scares you the most from each team? Yeah. 
So and I was thinking about writing that for stacking the inbox as like a bonus piece next next week. Gotcha. And gotcha. if you don't know this about me, I'm a much I'm a much better writer than I am a speaker. So anything I say today is going to be like a sentence in the article next week. So I don't I'm not too worried about that. Given all away right. the content. So what scares you the most? You know what? I'm this is, we're going we're going to take it a different direction. And let's do let's it. Bring it up on you. We're on the fly. Okay, so I want you to name something about the Indianapolis Colts that most people think they should be scared of, but you think it's the least scary aspect or one of the least scary things on the team. Like what's something that does not scare you about the Indianapolis Colts that may scare other people? Honestly, it's it's their defensive front. I know they've got a, a bunch of really good guys up front, and, and maybe they are able to slow down Derrick Henry, but you know what, guys? We're going back to the power of positivity. Zach and I have been on the positive train for weeks now. Uh, Titans positive, by the way, not you know disease positive or anything. We have been high on the Titans, and you know what? I think that secondary is wrecked right now. So I think this defensive front, as respectable as it may look on paper for the Indianapolis Colts, I think that's going to be a, a matchup where Ryan Tannehill, Traylon Burks, DeAndre Hopkins, Tajay Spears in the passing game, I think they're going to be able to push the ball down the field. I, I don't care about that defensive front for the Colts. I've already made it known that I don't care that I, if you're a Titans fan, you should not be scared of Jonathan Taylor. I've already put that out there, so I don't want to do that yeah, again. Sure. Mm -hmm. I am sick of the Michael Pittman discourse and i think he's the least one of the least threatening wide receiver ones in the nfl yeah. and i am not concerned with anything about michael pittman he got overblown last year over height and i kept telling everybody there's no reason to call him the next larry fitzgerald he's done nothing to prove that he's the next season the next larry fitzgerald and he's got gardner Minshew and anthony richardson thrown to him this year Maybe this is a product of your your quarterbacks, but if you look at true, scary wide receiver ones like DeAndre Hopkins, it does not matter who your quarterback is. Oh, see, I like Easton's take in there. He just dropped it in the comments. Alec Pierce is better than Michael Pittman. I 100% agree. Didn't they put the captaincy on Alec Pierce this offseason too? Or am I just... Oh, I haven't heard, but I wouldn't I, be I'm... surprised. This This team's weird. I, I might be getting that mixed up, but Alec Pierce was a guy that I I liked a lot. I thought he was going to have um, big games against the Titans last season because I thought the the defense would focus on Pittman and slowing down the rushing attack, and it would give Pierce opportunities to get open underneath. And it didn't pan out that way. But man, once he gets healthy, like Alec Pierce is is kind of a sneaky. That's a good one two punch, and I'm not so sure that Alec Pierce is going to finish the season as the two in that combination. I I kind of uh, tend to agree. And I know Michael Pittman's coming up on wanting a contract extension. I wouldn't be surprised if they just let him go. I mean, he's I like, he seems very replaceable. Now I think he could be good, but I think he's very replaceable. I like Josh Downs a lot too. I know you weren't the biggest fan of him, but you haven't heard a peep out of Josh about Josh Downs at camp. No oh, highlights, nothing. You get true. Tank Dell highlights. Yeah. I may be wrong about Tank Dell. Maybe going, uh, one for two on that one, but well, uh, you, that'd be you and me both on Tank Dell. Yeah, it makes it even worse that he plays for the Texans too. All right, so let's shift to the Texans. The least, the thing you are scared of the least in the twenty twenty three season, 
regarding the Houston Texans? You know, I I feel like I liked CJ Stroud more than some people, but I'm also not at the point where I'm I'm thinking he's a slam dunk savior of the franchise. You know, even if he gets it right, I, I don't know that he's going to be, you know, odds are not every quarterback to come out of this class is going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. And I feel like Stroud's the one that could kind of be on the lower end of that. So, and I'm not seeing a lot of people that are saying Stroud's going to be the next Titan killer, but I'm not going to say the defense because I actually am kind of afraid of the Texans defense uh, this upcoming season. So if we're talking about things that most people are afraid of that I actually don't think are a big deal, I'm going to say it's it's their quarterback situation. Like I, I just don't know that Stroud is going to be the guy to, to really turn this program around. I'm going to go with um, their their bookend tackles, which okay. aka this offensive line, and and maybe people aren't really scared of the offensive line, and that's okay. Uh, but the tackles that just got paid, Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil. I just mm-hmm. don't get it. I still, I, I know that uh, I guess Laramie Tunsil is a beloved darling among everybody who watches film and everything. I just don't see the elite tackle that everybody claims they see. I see an above average one, and I don't get the Titus Howard love at all. Uh, I think the Tennessee Titans are going to dominate those bookend tackles and make them look foolish. And so to be that's fair. where I'm at on the Texans. To be fair, I think the Titans' uh, pass rush is going to get after a lot of bookend tackles yeah. this season. But I, I do like the tackles. I, I think the Texans' offensive line as a whole is is pretty underrated. If a couple of dominoes fall their way, like Juice Scruggs has to get ready in a hurry at center now that they're – which, I mean, to me, I didn't know that Juice Scruggs wasn't already listed as the starter. But, you know, second-round pick, this is, this is the NFL kid. You're going to have to get in there, and it's trial by fire. Kenyon Green, I liked a lot coming out of Texas A&M, but you watched his rookie season. He got blown up pretty regularly. So, you know, if if those guys can live up to their potential, I do think this could be a, a, a pretty good unit. But if you're talking about this from the perspective of a Titans fan, I have so much faith in that pass rush that, to your point, I don't think I'm really worried about who the, the bookend tackles are. Okay. What scares you the least about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Oh, man, it is. uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of over the Calvin Ridley talk, man. And I know that he's lighting it up in training camp. But to me, there's still something to not playing in the NFL for an entire season. And maybe the benefit of it is more that guys like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones get more open looks and stuff like that, but I'm just not ready to to bite on the the Calvin Ridley hype. Yeah, I'm not ready to bite it, but I don't know if it's he's the guy that scares me the least on offense. Okay, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence, baby. Oh, but Trevor man. Lawrence hate yeah. has to continue because I saw what this defense did, and and I agree with Easton. The pass rush was going to be on there, but you kind we've already I think. I don't know if we talked about it on here, maybe a football show, but I talked about then I didn't really think the pass rush is that good. And I know you talked about it. Uh, I think you were watching Arden Key tape and you kept saying, man, Josh Allen just doesn't do it for me. No, yeah, we we texted back and forth about Josh Allen. And I just I remember thinking like Josh Allen is 
like a younger version of Titans Bud Dupree, not Steelers Bud Dupree, but Titans Bud Dupree at best. Like I, I'm just not the biggest Josh Allen fan. I think he's a little overhyped. I think there's been three really telling games of the Titans defense versus Trevor Lawrence that lets you know that he may be good against other teams, but this team may be his kryptonite. It's kind of like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like Patrick Mahomes kind of struggles with this team. And I think that versus this team, I think he's going to be have a little bit kryptonite. And I think this defense got better. So I'm not, I'm not in the 2023 season. I'm not going into it scared of Trevor Lawrence. I, I think bigger picture for me, my biggest fear concerning Jacksonville is that I'm just wrong about them being uh lightning in a bottle playoff team from 2022, because I feel like they were incredibly fortunate to be as healthy as they were all season. It took like a, a miracle call for them to beat the Titans in week 18. And then we have this lasting memory of them in the playoffs where they, they have the, the greatest postseason comeback ever against the, the chargers. And now everybody just wants to hop on the bandwagon. They're not looking back at the bigger picture of the, the entirety of the season. So my fear is like, I'm going into this thinking, I'm not really scared of the Jags at all, but what if I'm wrong? What if this wasn't just lightning in a bottle? And what if this was uh, signaling the, uh, the dawning of a new era in the AFC South? I mean, it's quite possible. So it'll be interesting to see. That will do it for us. Thank you for joining, Stoney. Uh, Happy to. Anytime. And I am Mike Herndon today. You are Mike Herndon to the, today. The broadcast. And I didn't. I didn't care to to get into Photoshop and change that today. That's too much work. Too much. Yes. work. No, don't. But do you that. are. You you were great. Glad Thank to have you. you on. Thank you. I'm sure our sponsors of Bluegrass Beverages have been around since the 70s. Joined the BIOB Club. We still got to get that change. Best of Bluegrass to get all your inside information. Locally owned, locally locally operated Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm sure they were glad. So Bros Network had their 10th anniversary, went to the party. It was fantastic. Had a blast. It was a good night. Uh, it was a great night. Uh, I noticed no uh, wrestling belt in the background. I was kind of hoping you'd have that hung up or or whatever. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be too self-promotional. You know, this is still your show. I didn't want to be obnoxious by, you know, blinding the audience with the sparkle off my new championship belt and, you know, talk about it for 15 minutes because that's what i've been doing all week anytime somebody notices it i'm like oh cool here's this thing 15 minutes later they're wishing they hung up the phone and we're both with stackinginbox.com where you can see our daily musings in delivered to your inbox every morning uh the only place where you'll get a frame by frame all 22 breakdown of zach johnson that's (laughs) stackinginbox.com and you can follow me on twitter at efforts pod you can follow stoney at Stony Keeley, and you can also follow him at Sobros Network on X, I guess just say. Yes. But this has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been effed.